You're listening to a Tudor in Stuart Ireland conference podcast. The sixth annual Tudor in Stuart Ireland interdisciplinary conference took place at NUI Galway in August 2016. The conference was generously supported by an NUI Galway President's Award for Research Excellence to Professor Stephen Ellis, the Moore Institute at NUI Galway, the Discipline of History at NUI Galway, and the Society for Renaissance Studies. As in previous years, the majority of papers were recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media, in association with UCD's History Hub. There are now more than 140 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences freely available. To access this archive, go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts or visit tudorstuartireland.com. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Professor Yoko Odawara from Tokyo University. Her paper was entitled Sir Philip Sidney's Leicester Circle and Ireland. I'm speaking about some elements in the life of Sir Philip Sidney and Leicester Circle. Colin Barrow writes, there are two extreme types of literary career in Elizabethan England. The first was that of the gentleman Namata, who died poems or prose fictions for private circulation in manuscript form, and who would jealously strive to make it look as though any appearance of those works in print was not their responsibility. The most powerful example of the type of writer was Sir Philip Sidney, none of of whose literary writings appeared in print during his lifetime. At the other end of the literary spectrum were professional writers who were often poor scholars from grammar schools, who went to university as sizers, and who then sought to scavenge living in London from the press or from the stage. Gavin Alexander writes, the most important event in Sir Philip Sidney's literary career is that he died immediately after he had written a great work. And the next important event is that these works, which were circulated in manuscript, were published in 1590 to 1598. <clears throat> Philip Sidney was given permission by the Queen to travel in the continent for two years and his passport was signed by the Queen on the 25th of May, 1573. He accompanied the friend Clinton, who has created the Earl of Lincoln to be sent to France to sign the Treaty of Blois, which allied England and France against Spain and was thought to give some protection to Huguenot in Paris. France was thought to be safe. However, he encountered a massacre of St. Bartholomew's Day in Paris on the 24th August in 1572, immediately after the marriage of Henri de Navarra and Marguerite de Valois. He was safe as he was in the embassy of Sir Francis Walsingham, the Queen's ambassador. It gives an impression that he happened to be in the safe house fortunately. However, the letter of the 9th of September in 1572 from William Burley and Robert Lester writes that it was good that English gentlemen who were in Paris at the time of the execution of the murder were forced to retire to your house where they did wisely. The letter from William Burley and Robert Lester told Walsingham to send Philip Sidney back home. However, he had already left Paris to continue travel through a safer country, 
namely through Lorenz and Weisrasberg and Heidelberg to Frankfurt. He visited Vienna, Pressburg in Hungary, Krakow and Poland, various Genoa, Florence, and extended knowledge of men and cities. He received exceptionally good education, not only university education, but experience of three years travel in the continent, visiting foreign courts and cities. He met numerous printers, associated with foreign princes and nobles, and estimated highly, even higher than an ambassador to the country. He saw art and architecture, and purchased paintings and books. He showed eagerness to acquire Amiot's translation Plutarch, offering to pay five times the normal price. The elegance of Venetian printing, with its use of italic typefaces, and many emblematic initials and ornaments must have contributed to Sidonie's pleasure in acquiring these books. Another elegant book that Sidonie purchased in Venice was Jacopo Sanazzaro's Verse and Prose Romance Arcadia. In Sansovino's 1571 edition, which has numerous attractive woodcuts, Catherine Duncan Jones introduces a theory that this purchase was momentous for Elizabethan golden literature, for it determined the title and genre of Sidney's own Arcadia. Sidney was engaged to William Cecil's daughter in 1569, uh, but the formal marriage contract was dissolved, and Anne was betrothed to Edward de Vere, 17th Earl of Oxford, was succeeded to the Earldom Oxford upon his father's death in 1562, and was under the guardianship of William Cecil as a royal ward, and declared interest in her around 1569. They married in 1571, though the marriage was a disaster. Philip Sidney's possible marriage with noble daughters, nobles' daughters were rumored, but was not materialized and he married Walsingham's daughter, Frances, in 1583. So, Philip was a member of Leicester Circle because he was his parents' son. Philip Sidney was the son of Sir Henry Sidney. Sir Henry Sidney was the son of Sir William Sidney and Anne, sister of Sir William Brandon, father of Charles, Duke of Suffolk. The Sidonies were Sussex Surrey, landowners who acquired wealth and local eminence in the mid-15th century. In 1538, Sir William Sidney's service was rewarded and was appointed to be chamberlain of the Prince Edward. And in 1544, he was advanced to be drawn to the prince. Henry Sidney was eight years senior to the young prince, and he became constant companion to the prince from 1538. He shared in the royal education, and when Edward became king, the companionship continued. Sidonie became one of the principal gentlemen of the private chamber. An anonymous editor writes in his uh, biographical introduction that he was known as one of the prince's most trusted friends. He was knighted at the ceremonies attending John Dudley's creation at Duke of Northumberland. Nine months earlier, he had married Northumberland's daughter, Mary. 
he never left Edward's side, and when Edward died at Greenwich, he was in his arms. His position at court was changed by the death of Edward VI. He had been a witness to the will of the monarch in favor of Lady Jane Grey, but threw himself a fortune at Mary's feet and was pardoned. Northumberland, his wife's father, and Lady Jane Grey, Lord Dudley, his wife's brother's wife, died on the scaffold. It appeared that Henry Sidney retired at this time to Penshurst and withdrew from the court. But unsought favor Mary followed, and he was reinstated in all the offices which he had held under Edward. Whether out of gratitude for this or improved his royalty, he named his eldest son Philip in honor of his royal mistress and her husband. Philip Sidney's mother was the seventh of eight children of Northumberland, and the sister of Lord Guildford Dudley and Robert Earl of Leicester. She stood high in favor of Elizabeth, whom she cared for during an attack of smallpox, and was infected herself with a disease and withdrew to her house after recovery, as she did not want to show her disfigured face at court and devoted herself for children's education. In 1556, Sir Henry Sidney was appointed by Mary, vice-treasurer and general governor of all the king and queen's revenues in the kingdom of Ireland, and in 1557 was constituted by patent Lord Justice of Ireland. In these offices, he was retained by Elizabeth, who admitted him to her private council, and in December of the first year of her reign, a still wider range was given to his activity by his appointment as just justice and governor of the Kingdom of Ireland. He had to suffer the consequences of the mismanagement of his predecessors. Scantily with money, he devoted almost his entire fortune to his country. From Elizabeth, he experienced nothing but the basest ingratitude. Philip Sidney went to Ireland after he came back from three years' travel in the continent. However, according to an anonymous biographer, it was not his first visit to Ireland. Sir Henry Sidney took his wife and children to Ireland when colleges of Oxford were closed because of pestilence. Then Sir Henry Sidney thought about his son's education and planned to send him to travel in the continent. Sir Philip Sidney did not show interest in publishing his writing, but liked to circulate his poems or prose works in manuscript form, writing for some purpose to get position, promotion, or patronage, seems not to have become his taste. He was rather patron of poets and who was dedicated poetical works or books from them. However, he did write some tracts to express cause of his faction, Lester Circle's voice, a letter to Queen Elizabeth touching the marriage with Monsieur, and this is 1579, and a defense for the Earl of Leicester. A letter to Queen Elizabeth is a widely circulated tract arguing against change to the Queen's state, since it made her popular and 
had brought safety to the country. It was probably commissioned at the meeting at which Lester was present, held at Baynard's Castle, the Earl of Pembroke's London House, shortly after Duke of Yanju's arrival in mid-August. He wrote a defense of the Earl of Leicester when the notorious tract known as Leicester's Commonwealth in 1584 was published to attack Robert Earl of Leicester, who was the Chancellor of Oxford University and had lost his heir, Denby. Robert Parsons was associated with it, although he almost certainly did not write it. It was a scandalous attack on the Earl of Leicester, which the Guises used to embarrass Anglophiles at the French court. He wrote in defense of Earl of Leicester to defend Earl of Leicester, of course. It is much concerned with the question of the gentility of the Dudley family. However, it was not only in defense of Earl Lester, but also in defense of Sir Philip Sidney himself, as he was Lester's sister's son, and he was half Dudley. This could be in defense of Sir Philip Sidney's identity. After returning from travel in the continent in 1576, Philip Sidney went to Ireland, almost certainly with Walter de Vroux, the first Earl of Essex, Earl Marshal of Ireland, in July 1576. In August, he joined his father, Sir Henry Sidney, Lord Deputy of Ireland, and stayed in Dublin Castle for two weeks before going to Western Ireland. In Galway, he met Grania or Grace O'Malley, the legendary woman chieftain. The encounter seems to have given strong impression to him. Essex died in Dublin Castle on the 22nd September after a month or more of illness of dysentery. Later, enemies of Earl of Leicester attacked Leicester, publishing a tract claiming that Leicester had arranged for Essex to be poisoned so that he could marry Essex's widow. Essex's death in Ireland contributed to anti-Lester propaganda and myth-making, as Sidney was fatally wounded at Zapphen on the 22nd of September, ten years after his death. Though he was given exceptionally good education, it was highly <laughs> estimated and expected among his friends, including foreign princes and nobles, he was prohibited from promotion at court. He lived in the age of battle of factions. Sidney was a type of gentleman amateur who would write poems or prose fiction for private circulation in manuscript form, and his works were never published during his lifetime. Sidney's experience in the continent and Ireland must have influenced his writings in various ways. We could see the influence in poems and prose works Fortunately published by his friend Brooke Greville and his sister Mary Herbert, Countess of Pembroke. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this Tudor and Stuart Ireland conference podcast. If you would like to access the archive of more than 140 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences, please go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts. All podcasts are freely available on iTunes and on SoundCloud. For more information on the annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference, visit the conference website, 
at cheaterstuartireland.com.